Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Oltoff, Matt Tolley. The, uh, so um, I, I just, I love this idea that, you know, Rusty's doing this. I think it also gives us all a chance to get to know some of the people that we sit around every week. Dave's a quiet guy. You might not know much about him. Um, there's a, there's a lot, it's on, it's live. The, uh, but there are, um, there's a lot of folks. I've got a lot of friends here. I always love seeing all the faces because of all the souls that are behind it. But one in particular, I've known longer than anybody in this room. Mike is sitting over here. We went to high school together. And Alicia, I just want to tell you something about your husband. I just want to tell you, he was as kind and joyful when we were kids as he is now. And that laugh that he has is the same he's always had. It has always filled the room. It only ever now finally fits his body. So, Mike, it's good to see you, man. The, uh, but it is. I, just, I, I hope everybody's encouraged by this. I think it's an incredible amount of courage for Rusty to trust uh, Layman to come up here and, and teach. But Dave is someone, I know he'll talk a little bit about himself, but I just want to brag on Dave just a little bit. The, Dave's a, a neighbor. Uh, he's someone that his, his wife, Karen, beautiful. His daughter, his son, uh, Carl, went to uh, Purdue, got a graduate degree at Purdue. He's absolutely off the charts brilliant. His daughter, Katie, she used to go to camp with us. She is now a model in New York. She's beautiful. Their family, they look like a J. Crew ad. They're absolutely incredible. He's got great hair. The, uh, so he came to study with us years ago, right? And, and you know, there's, there's the old joke, like, what do you give the man that has everything? Penicillin, right? That's, that's the old joke. So it, it looked as if he needed nothing. And it was just, it's been neat. We've been chasing God's heart now together for probably, I'd say, 10, 15 years or so. And uh, it's just been neat to see. And sometimes you'll see Dave walking his dog through the neighborhood and he's got earbuds on and he's listening to Tozer or he's listening to some other book and he's trying to even further understand God's character. So it's just been neat to see because I think when Dave first joined our group at the time, he was actually studying Taoism. And to see how his heart has changed, and he has softened. And I feel like his pursuit has been of the invisible spiritual things, the things of great value in this world. And he's just someone I have an incredible amount of respect for. So he's going to move through this. Be prepared. Uh, I may be calling on some of you to help articulate some of these various verses, some of these concepts. So be ready as we, as we move through this. So my friend Dave Altoff. Okay. Oh boy. So I'd, I'd, I'd like to change the story, the Rusty and I story at lunch just a bit. When I told him, oh no, I'm not the right guy. I'm not very good in front of people. He, instead of saying, oh yes, you can do it. He went, yeah, right. <laughs> so I called Matt and said, uh, hey, I got this speech. We need to go over this. And he says, well, how long is it? I said, five pages. He said, oh no, 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 don't, don't read five pages. He says, Get up there and speak from the heart. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, boy. I can't do that. So uh, that's uh, not my comfort zone. So what I've got is five pages. <laughs> However, what I'm going to try to do is make the appropriate pauses and look up at the, the, uh, the audience so it doesn't appear that I'm just reading it straight. But, but here we go. 
So uh, one other thing I'd like to say is, uh, even though I didn't want to do this uh, in the beginning, in retrospect, I, I am grateful because what it did was it reminded me uh, of how Romans had made a significant impact in my life. And uh, you see, uh, several years ago, uh, a few of us sat down to study the book of Romans in Matt Tilly's basement. And it was then that I understood the power of the gospel. Uh, in Romans, we learned that through faith in Jesus, we are made right with God. Now, let's ponder that statement for a brief moment. If someone comes up to you and says, you are right with me, what does that mean? If you could choose anyone to say that to you, who would it be? Would it be your spouse or your parents, maybe, or your kids? How about sports heroes, Rusty? The president? How about God? Romans teaches us, because of our faith in Jesus, God looks us right in the eye and says, you are perfect in my eyes. How great is that? Can anybody be the same after knowing this? Romans also taught me that as believers, our eternal future is secure in heaven. Yep, in Romans we'll learn that because of our faith in Jesus, we can be absolutely certain of our eternal future in heaven. These promises give me great peace. Now, throughout history, the book of Romans has made a great impression on many others. In the summer of 386, it made a great impact on St. Augustine. Augustine was a predominant theologian, philosopher, and writer, some may know. He knew his life of sin and rebellion against God left him feeling empty and dead. But he just couldn't find the strength to make a final decision, a real decision for Jesus Christ. As he sat, he, learned, he heard children playing a game in the distance. He thought he heard them chanting something like, take up and read, take up and read. Now, thinking God had a message for him in the words of the children, he picked up a scroll laying nearby and began to read, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Well, the story goes on to say he didn't read any further. He didn't have to. Through the power of God's Word in Romans chapter 13, Augustine gained the faith to give his whole life to Jesus Christ at that moment. The letter of Romans impacted Martin Luther also. In August of 1513, Martin Luther's inner life was nothing but turmoil. In his studies, he came across Romans 1, verse 17, which says, the righteousness of God is revealed through faith. 
Luther, the monk, went on to say, night and day I pondered until finally I grasped the truth that the righteousness of God given to us is through grace and sheer mercy and that God justifies us by faith. He went on to say, at that very moment, I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through open doors into paradise. Martin Luther was born again, and the Reformation began in his heart. Now, Paul most likely wrote the book of Romans in the city of Corinth on his third missionary journey around 53 to 58 A.D., Back then, traveling from place to place on foot could be treacherous, so it is believed that Paul wrote this letter so comprehensively that should something happen to him, the Romans would have the entire gospel message. In verse 1, Paul identifies himself first as a servant of Jesus Christ and secondly, as an apostle. John Wesley once said, a servant of Jesus Christ is a higher title than monarch of the world. I like thinking about that statement because of our faith. We all hold a bigger title than ruler of the world. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Dave, in this work, pause you here. Yeah. Eddie, you have the microphone. Um, Eddie's going to be like Phil Donahue bouncing through the, the, the crowd here. The... Uh, when, so when we talk about, um, Dave was talking about titles, right? Eddie, could you hop up? Luke, would you mind? I just want to get your perspective on something in particular. This idea of titles, of rulers, of a hierarchy, right? Can you help us? I mean, is there, I, I, I tease you, I tease a lot of guys in here that when we get to heaven, you're going to need bus fare to go visit Anne, you know, because she'll be in the nice part and you'll be down in the barrio. <laughs> Right, I, we joke about that, but can you talk about the, um, this idea or, or lack thereof of a hierarchy within the body at the same time there's still an order of uh, leadership? Can you talk a little about that? Sure, yeah. Um, I think if, you're, if you see the world just below the spiritual levels that you, we think of or we're challenged with, then you're competing against what you see and what you know. And... I would say I'm a competitor, you know, and um, but there's a constant striving as it relates to uh, trying to get ahead. And and I I don't strive anymore. I don't like I, I I believe what you said is that if you're in Christ, you have that title that's above everything. So imagine if you're a person that's intimidated by titles, or if you look around and you're you know you're say so you're not a competitor, you're more of a hey, I'm just trying to get through this thing. And then you see people that impress you or intimidate you, or you see, well, when you understand what we're learning, you don't respect anyone for their title because it doesn't, it pales in comparison. And so here's the title for you. Um, my nephew, raise your hand, Mike. Stand up so they can see your pretty face. This is my nephew, <laughs> This is my nephew, Michael. Michael recently came to Christ through a real trying time. And as Michael and I started to spend time together, 
Michael is, I, I used to call him Michael, I call him Mike, because I changed his title, I changed his name, because Mike now is my brother, he's not my nephew. I don't play that hierarchy game with him at all. Hmm. And so, when, and now I have no problem doing that. I think it's challenging for him to look at me that way. Hmm. But what a great thing. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Luke. Okay, so now in verses uh, 2 through 6, Paul speaks of God's Son, Jesus Christ, as the center of the gospel. In verse 2, he starts out by telling his readers the gospel story was first promised through the prophets. Paul wanted to make certain his readers understood this wasn't his own new idea, but something very old in the plan of God. Verse 3, he mentions, Our Savior was born in the lineage of David according to the flesh. Old school Jews in the crowd certainly knew who David was, and I'm sure that that caught their attention. Verse 4, Jesus is declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Holy Spirit by the resurrection from the dead. Jesus had a human side being born into the world, but the proof of his deity is his resurrection from the dead. Verse 5, through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith. The gospel gave Paul and the church grace and apostleship, and those two gifts produced obedience to the faith. A British theologian named Adam Clark, who lived in the 1700s, stated, without grace and favor and help from the Holy Spirit, Paul could not have become an apostle. And I think this to be true. Before meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus, Paul was a Christian hater, right? Grace and apostleship hit Paul straight between the eyes on the Damascus road. He became saved. And his first words were very apostle-like. Lord, what do you want me to do? That's in Acts 9. So this is where... Uh, I, Esther Getchell. <laughs> oh, there's the groan. The uh, Eddie... So Esther's sitting back here. Esther, if you don't know Esther, uh, Esther grew up in an incredible Christian home. Um, I, Esther, can you just articulate the idea of, of receiving grace? Like you grew up, you understood John 3.16 very well. The, can you talk a little about what that means and what it meant to you? Do you mean as a child or when I had a revelation? When you had a revelation. Cool, that might be a minute. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, yeah, I grew up from the womb in the church, mm-hmm. um, little tiny town Methodist girl, but my parents always had, sorry, buddy, um, definitely probably around the age nine or 10, my parents definitely began to have, re, you know, relationship and they modeled that. Um, <clears throat> 
about that time, we ended up going to a non-denominational kind of charismatic church. So I always knew that Jesus loved me. I always knew about having a relationship with the Lord. But it really was until probably my 30s that we, um, through different relationships in the room, began to have conversations that kind of challenged my thinking um, because I really viewed his love as conditional. And um, so do you want me to share specifically the moment we had revelation? Yeah, that'd be fine. Oh, oh, this is like the banquet <laughs> for all of you banquet people. But um, Joe and Amy, through relationship with Doug and Caroline Treve, had had a revelation of the grace and the gospel we're talking about. And they began to challenge us a little bit in our thinking because I really walked around with a sin measuring stick. And they began to challenge that, and I just wasn't seeing it. Mm-hmm. And um, they would leave, and they'd love on us. They'd leave, and he and I would sit and talk, and, oh, yeah, but what about people who do this? And what about people who do this? I mean, there's no way. You know, you can't walk in that and be saved. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting down together. And our little boys, oh, (laughs) our little boys were running around in a circle, chasing each other. We had kind of this loop in our old house. And John said, you know what I think they're trying to tell us is that it's like if one of our boys would take the life of another, I wouldn't make them not our son. And we both, you could see it in our eyes, we both just, all of a sudden, it was like a veil that fell mentally, emotionally, spiritually, that just went, there's nothing you can do that separates you from the love of the Father. Amen. And that you're sealed in him, and that became like solid, all of a sudden, in our minds. There's nothing you can do. And that was the revelation of grace. That's awesome. That's great. Thank you, Esther. Thank you. Let's go to verse 8. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. So in my readings, I learned Paul was thankful for the good reputation of the church in Rome. Also, because of its location, this church had a special visibility and opportunity to glorify Jesus throughout the entire empire. The Roman Empire brought world peace somewhat and order, and they brought an excellent transportation system to the world. Paul used all of these advantages in spreading the gospel. Verse 15, Paul says, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Charles Spurgeon, an accomplished Baptist preacher of the 1800s, admired Paul's I am ready motto that he carried with him. Spurgeon states, 
in addition to being ready to preach in verse 15, Paul was ready to suffer in Acts 21. Paul was ready to do unpleasant work in 2 Corinthians 10. And Paul was ready to die in 2 Timothy 4. Paul was the I am ready guy. Thank God. In verses 16 to 17, Paul introduces the theme of this letter. And the theme is the righteousness of God. 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God's salvation plan for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Leon Morris, an Australian New Testament scholar, said this of verse 16, The gospel is certainly news, but it is more than information. It has an inherent power. The gospel is not advice to people, he says, suggesting that we lift up ourselves. The gospel is power. We don't lift up ourselves with the truth. The truth lifts us up. Now, the city of Rome thought it knew all about power. Power is the one thing that Rome boasted of the most. Now, Greece... Greece might have its philosophy, but Rome had its power. But despite all their power, the Roman people were powerless to make themselves righteous before God, and they knew it. The Romans of Paul's day, even the proud Romans, looked for salvation. Their philosophers spoke of their broken condition in the meeting places all the time. They knew they were sick and they needed help. For some in Rome, Paul's message would be epic. Verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Simply put, the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. Martin Luther said it was the happiest day of his life when he discovered the righteousness of God in Romans. Luther paraphrased the words God's righteousness with God's verdict of righteousness upon the believer. I like that. John Murray, a Scottish theologian, stated, this declaration of righteousness is even greater when we understand that this is the righteousness of God given to every believer, to us. It is not the righteousness of even the most holy man. It is God's righteousness. Can I stop you there? Mindy Campbell. Oh. (laughs) I think he just took the Lord's name in vain, just right. So, the uh, so can you give the so Mandy Campbell, Mandy and Brian, um, uh, you might know Billy and, and um, Gary. Mandy's uh, mom and dad uh, sometimes will will come by here when they're uh, in town from Arizona. Mandy, again, like Esther, grew up in an incredible, great Christian home. Can you uh, 
talk just a little about the idea of when you uh, came to see in total the, the idea of your righteousness? Yeah. Um, even though I, I grew up in a Christian home, mm-hmm. I still struggled with fears and doubts. And um, I think I went, I went to college. I only went for a year, but that was kind of my lowest point in my life and the best year of my life because when I got back, I really started seeking after the Lord. And I think um, it wasn't like, even though my parents would tell me about Jesus, mostly my dad, but even though he would, you know, tell me how awesome I was in God's eyes and, you know, it it never really sunk into my heart. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until... Um, I was in a women's Bible study, and the speaker said, until you allow God to be Lord of your past, Mm. he can't, it's difficult to allow him to be the Lord of your present and your future. Mm. And I, because I think I grew Mm. up and I tried to always want to cover up like all of the ugliness in my past. And I think when I really grasp that he wants every part of me and he has redeemed me, that I think that um, I really understood it. Amen. And I wasn't ashamed of things I've done. I wasn't, you know, I think he just, um, you know, he's like, you're a new creation. Amen. And I think that that is what was most impactful for me. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Amen. Thank you. So finally, in verse 18 to the end of the chapter, Paul explains the guilt of the human race and the greatest peril facing the human race is the wrath of God. I must confess, in the past, I've secretly objected to this idea of the wrath of God because I used to equate it with uh, human anger and revenge things like that. But the wrath of God here is is not that way. The wrath of God here is completely righteous in character. Let me explain. In the final verses, Paul speaks against Romans who were behaving very poorly. And they were refusing to acknowledge God. Sexual lust was rampant. Idol worship was very popular. And apathy towards God's very existence was the worst of their sins. But God expresses his wrath in a surprising way here. I would just think he'd come in and like crush the revolt, right? But no, what he did was he gave them over to their sinful desires. Which gave them the quality of life they deserved. Rotten living. Anxiety pain, and all the rest. God is perfect in His ways. Amen?
before Dave concludes, this is the last time I'm going to pick on somebody. I don't mean on that. The, uh, but Ron Cox, Ron, can you put your hands up? The Eddie Ron sitting there in the back. <laughs> yeah, Ron. Right. You can tap out, have Shannon. The, uh, yeah. The, um, so, Ron, the, the, one of the words that Dave just used was apathy, right? And that is, you know, I, I, sometimes you see this, they say that, you know, the, uh, the worst thing is indifference or apathy, right? If people just lose interest in their sports team. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just the worst. It just, you can't generate any energy because people are just indifferent to it. The, um, can you, when you think of apathy, when you think of friends who are lost, uh, think of legalistic friends, how can you, how would you, how can we shake somebody out of that indifference or that apathy that they might have towards God? I'm not um, at all certain, or I'm not at all sure that we shake people. I think the Spirit moves in me just like it would in Mindy and uh, Doug and Eddie here. And I can't make him or my wife or somebody see what I'm seeing that day. But the Spirit, and, and it's a gift, because the Spirit is the most powerful um, friend and tool we'll have. So, yeah, I run into uh, my friends or acquaintances who are lukewarm <laughs> to be more or less spit out because they just don't believe in anything or, or they hold to the law so tightly that they, they get bogged down in service that they end up hating, um, as I've done in the past. As most people know, I kind of play some Sundays and whatnot, but there was a season that uh, I told Rusty never to ask me to do this again. I just don't want to do it. I don't like it. I look out in the crowd. I don't like them. I, what am I doing here? <clears throat> it was it was it was an awful season that uh, I was loved on through the process. And so I don't shake people now, and I'm good at it. But that's not what we do because. In my absence from that particular stage there, back when we used to have it over there in the little one that shook all the time, people would come by the house and just love on me. And <laughs> I remember I'm, uh, I've been fortunate to be in Keith's small group for a million years, and he recently said, do you remember, Ron, when you'd sit on my couch with your arms crossed and just shaking your head? <laughs> it just wasn't my time. It wasn't my day or whatever it was. It wasn't that God didn't have something for me, didn't have a, a de yearning desire to come in and partner with me because I was holy, righteous, and redeemed. I was just the last one to know it. Mm -hmm. So I think <laughs> when we see people struggle with the law or the shoulds, you know what you ought to do. Mm -hmm. I try to remember that I had my day in that dark sun mm -hmm. and they just need um, what I needed was the acceptance of God mm -hmm. and a friend and not so much what I ought to do or all this wisdom that'll come mm -hmm. and the spirit will deliver it with a hammer <laughs> like uh, Mrs. Getchell was saying it just boom the light comes on and mm -hmm. well it does and no better teacher than the spirit mm -hmm. and so I can shake them all day long mm -hmm. 
and it's kind of fun if you want to, you know, do the loop competitive thing. You know, it's like banging on people, but <laughs> loving on people's, I believe, the key. Thank you, Ron. Okay, well, we're finished. Here's my conclusion. I wanted to say that uh, today I, I live in more peace because of what I've learned in Romans. Because my faith, through my faith, I have been made right with God. That's a big deal for me. And even bigger, my eternal future in heaven is secure. This is what we will learn for certain in Romans I wanted to add that it's been years since I woke up in the morning nervous with anxiety like I used to. That is gone. And uh, that stopped after I studied Romans. Praise God. So today I just want to thank God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit for bringing us the truth in the book of Romans. Amen. Okay. Very good. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. So I, again, I, I hope y'all get a chance to know Dave and what he's. He's just you can. He's just got this incredible, incredible heart and this uh, this love for God. So Dave, thanks so much for sharing. I know he, Dave would never touch God's glory, uh, but thank you for allowing God to to speak through you today. So thank you, brother, very much. The uh, Rusty, are you coming up for announcements? The uh, you got a microphone? You need one? Ed, you got a mic for him? Okay, very good. work. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Dave. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I when I left Northside in 2007, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew I was supposed to leave, and I ended up at Phil Dolberger's basement on Monday mornings with Chad and Dave and Matt and Ed Hens and all these guys, and uh, they had been through Romans but yeah, Dave was coming in quoting the Tao and different things like that. And I, through the years, I've watched, I've watched his whole mindset change about the gospel. And so uh, you did a beautiful job up here this morning, just conveying the <laughs> conveying the righteousness of God that he 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 does love us, he does love us. And uh, I hope that you hang with us these next few weeks, many weeks, and just get through this study with us because uh, it does change your world. Not Romans, but the understanding, the revelation that comes, as you've heard in the room right here this morning uh, from the different people. It's the revelation. It's, it's beyond knowing beyond knowing because you can I've read Romans so many times but until it was actually the message was revealed to me back in 2000 uh, it changes everything changes your relationship with your family and friends and ministry and and everything else so stick with us next week uh, my brother Keith is going to be up here and he's going to do Romans chapter 2 one of the best verses in there uh, is God leads us to repentance through his kindness uh, I, I wasn't taught that growing up. It was more through his wrath <laughs> that uh, he caused us to repent. So uh, 
when that verse is in there, that's the Word of God, and uh, Keith will unpack that with us next week. So just continue with this. I sent an email out yesterday. If you didn't get that, let me know. But if you can't be here, you can at least follow up with us through many different routes that we've uh, established for you. So uh, make sure that you do that. I have uh, Romans books back here by Keith. If you need a Romans book and you want to go through the study more in depth, it's there for the taking. Go ahead and take one. Otherwise, I've told you how to get it through Amazon and digitally through Logos. So you should be able to do that as well. But but walk with us. Just take this journey with us and see what the Lord does. Just see what the Lord does. It's not going to be the men and women up here on the stage. It's going to be the Spirit that does it in you and through you. So, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for Dave and just uh, who he is in you. Christ in Dave. In Dave and Christ. And uh, we just thank you for the many people in this room that know that and believe that and trust that. We pray for faith today, belief today in what you have taught us. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.